Amen. What a wonderful thing to sing the praises and truths of our God. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I don't know if we can get the PowerPoint up there. We've been uh, walking through 1 John for some time now. Um, we we uh, have, have traveled through a lot of things, and, and one thing that we've found um, rings true with, I don't know what's going on with the PowerPoint, uh, with First John, is that it is uh, all about uh, the things that matter. Now, understand me, all of the Bible matters, um, all truth matters, uh, but John is sort of in this uh, little book synthesizing for us, here are the things you really need to focus on that will help you uh, in all your patterns of, of trying to live as a Christian, trying to glorify God with your life, love others, and find your satisfaction in God. Here are the focuses you need to have. And so we've looked at many things, and, and what we want to see today is that discernment matters. Discernment matters. Being selective about what we hear and believe uh, really matters. You know, when I think about uh, John's uh, context, we've already seen it uh, a handful of times that there were, there were false teachers um, in among them, and some had been a part of the congregation, and when, uh, when, when their teaching wasn't followed, they, they left, and John says they were not of us, because if they were of us, they would have remained with us. And again, uh, so much of First John is um, the Apostle John trying to give correct and true theology to counter the, the false theologies and the false teachings that were going on. But we need to kind of think of the, the dilemma that these Christians were in um, in a little more realistic terms rather than there were true teachers and false teachers. They, they were Christians just like you and I, okay? I mean, it was 2,000-ish years ago, 1,900-ish you know, uh, years ago. But, but the, the issues were still the same. These were people who really ha had seen and tasted the salvation of Jesus Christ. Their blood-bought salvation uh, from what Jesus had accomplished. That had happened to them. And these were people just, just like you who desire to obey God, desire to please God, desire to worship God and follow Him well. But the issue... For, for them, and, and, and I would say for us as well, is that they had many different uh, people speaking into their lives, different, we might call them spokesmen for God, or people who at least who claim to be spokesmen for God. They had these many different people, you know, preaching and teaching, or maybe even writing, and they're all clamoring for their attention and, and adherence to what they're teaching. Okay, good. They had lots of teachers. That's great. Well, the problem was all of them claimed to be spokesmen for God, but their messages were not all the same. Their messages often contradicted. Their messages uh, were often uh, different factually as far as the, the truths of God and salvation and Christ. And their, their messages were different practically. And like, here is how you need to live this out. 
And so their problem was, these, these, again, I want, to, want you to feel this. These are people who truly tasted the salvation of Christ and truly want to glorify Him with their life. And they've got these teachers speaking into them, and they, they say, I don't know what to do. I, I, if, if this teacher says this, but this teacher says this, and then this teacher says this, I don't know how to live my life uh, to please God and glorify Him uh, most effectively. So they are very confused and troubled. But again, I would say it's no different for us today. In fact, I would say whatever teaching and, and messages were coming into their minds of people who uh, were spokesmen for God, I mean, it has only been amplified in the digital age, right? I mean, we, we, we do have uh, preachers and teachers that speak into our lives. But we also have, you know, the TV uh, preachers that speak into our lives or, or the people who wish they were preachers. Like, you know, like you're, you're, I'm just, I'm not trying to be offensive, but like your Oprah Winfrey's who are saying, this is the truth of God, whatever it happens to be that week. But then you have in our age uh, even more. I mean, that would have been like my parents' generation, that that's, that would have been what they had, where they would have had, you know, books and uh, and then maybe uh, TV preachers or whatever, and maybe radio. But, but in, in this generation, we have podcasts, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have all these different uh, you know, social media platforms where people are pushing their message, and all of them claim to be spokesmen for God, saying, this is what, uh, how, what, what God says you should do. This is how you should live your life. And we face the exact same problem as, as in John's day, of contradictory messages. This one says this is true. This one says this is true. This one says this is how we should practically live this out. This is how we should practically, practically live this out. And so we face the very same problem. We've tasted the salvation of Christ. We want to, I hope, uh, glorify Him with our lives. We want to love others. We want to find our satisfaction in Him. We say, how do I best do that when there are all these contradictory messages? Well, that is the context John was speaking into, and that is now the context John speaks into today um, as we look at discernment matters. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, from 1 John 4, verses 1 through 6. John says there, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world." They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray to God right now and ask for his wisdom and blessing on this. Father God, we come to you now with uh, the same issue as these original readers would have faced. That God, we, we have tasted your salvation, this immeasurable 
gift of forgiveness of sins and righteousness before you and eternal life with you. But God, we do face uh, in this life so many contradictory messages on how we should please you, obey you, and follow you. And so God, I beg for your wisdom today. I, I beg for it from the heart because I see so many Christians following false messages. I've seen so many Christians confused and struggling. I've seen Christians cause some real serious damage because they didn't know how to discern truth from error. They didn't know how to discern what your good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And so God, would you give us this, this grace today to, to learn the patterns and principles for how we should distinguish and discern what to listen to, what messages to apply to our lives, Lord, and submit to. Because God, ultimately, we want to submit to you. We want to honor you. We want to obey you. We want the world to know how great you are. So help us today, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want to mention here and kind of draw out from this text uh, may not be the first thing that pops into your mind uh, when, you, when you read this. There in first in 1, it said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. Here, here's, here's the first point I want to draw, because we've got to sort of set a foundation. The first point is God can still speak. Okay? You say, well, he just said don't believe. Don't believe. Well, look at it, though. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Implication? There are some spirits, there are some messengers, spokesmen from God that you should listen to. It says, go on, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So that, the idea there is whether or not. So they, they, these spirits may be from God. These messenger spokesmen may be from God or they may not be from God. And so we need to not miss that first implication that God can still speak. God can still communicate. Now we're going to really narrow down what that means for God to speak here in a moment. Uh, but but th there is this reality that God can still speak. And so that is why John's people uh, the, that he's writing to had this problem. That's why you and I have this problem is that God can still speak even outside the Bible. We see again uh, in, in verse uh, two, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So there are these messengers that really are spokesmen for God. They are God speaking through them. Now, again, we, we are going to narrow that down because like uh, anytime, just even as a pastor that I say, God speaking through me, I want to be really, really, really careful when I say that. I, I don't mean that in the same way as like these Old Testament prophets. I don't mean that in the same way as the, the New Testament apostles, that God is literally speaking through them. Uh, it, it is more the, the truth of God, but I do believe God, and this is what I want to uh, impress upon you, is God really is using 
the speech of people to speak into our lives. You can even see that uh, a little bit in, in, in verse 6. There's the, he says, uh, that very end of verse 6, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So there, there are both. God can still speak. God can still bring messages of truth through the spirit of truth. But then there is the spirit of error, falsehood. And so we need to have that foundation, though, because otherwise we don't even have the problem. If God can't speak outside of, outside of Scripture, then we don't even have the problem that John is talking about. So I'm telling you, God can still speak. Uh, I, I do want to give you uh, just some classification sort of to think about this a little bit. The main way John is going to talk about in this passage is speaking through people, okay? Speaking through uh, teachers, through, through uh, pastors. And so what I want to remind you before we just discount everything, right? You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, okay? This is what we're fighting against. Is God does, in fact, speak through people. We need that foundation is that God does speak through people. God does speak through pastors. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, And he, that's Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, that's pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So these are people God is, is again, speaking through these pastors, teachers. I would say in addition, God does speak even through um, family members. Uh, oftentimes our parents, God can speak through. I think about uh, Proverbs 1, 8, uh, 1, 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So, so this God's wisdom can flow through your parents and you should listen to them. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so that's, you know, pastors, teachers, but then in family, but also other people, fellow Christians. I think about Hebrews 3 verses 12 uh, and 13 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So that from the perspective of the, the author of the Hebrews, he's commanding us to be the instruments of God in one another's lives, right? We've talked about this before. This is a key component of community, that we all are instruments of God to speak the truth of God into one another's lives. We exhort one another every day, as long as it is called, called today, that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So, again, the implication there is other people can be the instruments of God speaking into my life, exhorting me, guiding me, helping me, encouraging me, to walk the godly life. And so I, I would just say this. It is proud, foolish, and wrong to think that God cannot speak to you outside of the Bible. You say, no, I can't, I'm not going to listen to pastor. I'm not going to listen to my mom or my dad. I'm not going to listen to fellow Christians. They have nothing to say to me because I've got my Bible. That is wrong. 
In fact, that's not biblical. Read your Bible better, and you'll know to listen uh, to, to teachers, to your parents, to uh, fellow Christians. So that's the main way that John is talking about today, that God speaks to us, n- not directly through the words of Scripture, outside the Bible, through people. He can do that. I would, by the way, just mention some other ways that God can still speak into your life. This is not the main emphasis of what John is talking about, but I think it's, it's pertinent because many of the same uh, uh, principles will apply here, that, that God can speak to us outside the Bible. One, I would say, is the conscience. That was actually the last time we looked at 1 John. We talked about conscience matters. God has given us a, a built-in compass in, in our minds that says, beep, 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 nope, you don't need to be doing that, you don't need to be doing that, or you should be doing that, you should be doing that. And that is a gift from God that God speaks through. Uh, Romans 9, verse 11, uh, 11, no, I think that's 1, I think I wrote an extra 1 in there. Oh, that's the word I. <laughs> the I looked like a one in my notes. Romans 9, 1, uh, Paul says this, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Interesting. He's saying what I'm about to say is not a lie. And the way I know that is my conscience. And the way that I know that is, my, is the Holy Spirit is speaking through my conscience, letting me know that this is really true. Interesting. God can speak to us, can communicate. That word speak may not be the best. God can communicate to us through the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, through our consciences. You should not do this. You should not do this. We should listen to that. I think it's important. God can still be speaking to you through your conscience. You should not just shrug it off. I would say God can speak to us through impressions or circumstances. By impressions, I mean you get this feeling, you get this sense that God is leading you to do something, right? Uh, I, I would say if you've been walking with God long, you've, you've felt this, that God, I, man, this is kind of odd, but I think God wants me to do this thing. Or maybe even circumstances. Your circumstances line up just in such a perfectly clear path that you say, I think this is the direction God wants me to go. Or God knocks everything down and you say, okay, I don't think that's (laughs) the way I'm supposed to go. By the way, we see this. Again, I want to show you this is biblical. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verses uh, 6 through 8. This is talking about Paul, uh, Silas, and Timothy on a missionary journey. He says there, uh, Luke says, And they went through the region of Phrygia, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to spread, to speak the word in Asia. Hmm. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. I mean, it doesn't tell us specifically what it was about the Spirit that, that would not let them go these ways. He, he forbade them. He did not allow them. So they, they walk with some confidence, but passing by those places the Spirit wouldn't allow them, they went down to Troas on the missionary journey, even though their plans had been to go to these other places. So God can speak through these impressions 
and circumstances. I, I don't know what kept them from, from going, but somehow the Spirit forbade them, according to, to Luke, who, who wrote the book of Acts there. And I would additionally say, this one's going to get me in trouble in a Southern Baptist church, angels and visions. God can speak to us through angels and visions. I say the thing about getting in trouble tongue-in-cheek. I, I know you guys are not dense or, or um, anything like that. But we, we do just see in the Bible that God can speak to us through angels and visions. So we just saw there in Acts 16 that God can speak through circumstances and, and, uh, and impressions uh, from the Holy Spirit. But then we pick up in the very next verse. It says there, verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. Listen to this. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It's just so interesting. <laughs> you see, he has this vision, this dream. I, I don't know exactly what it was like. And from that, he concludes that God was leading him, guiding, communicating to him through that. We can think of more angelic versions, such as uh, Philip, uh, as, as he's led to the Ethiopian eunuch there in Acts 8, 26 and 27. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And it's, it's so interesting, by the way, you have circumstances happen there too, because you, you have this, uh, you know, a chariot going by and it's got the Ethiopian eunuch in it. Philip is never told to share the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch, but he sees the circumstances and understands, okay, God has put me here for this purpose, so I believe this is God leading me to share the gospel with this guy. He didn't wait for a Bible verse that says, if you ever have someone going by in a chariot, then you need to share the gospel with them. No, he saw the circumstances. He felt the Holy Spirit leading him, do it. And he does. And that, that man gets saved, is baptized out there, and it is a beautiful thing. And I would say it's even bigger than that. He goes back to his own country uh, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so it's a beautiful thing that he was listening to God speaking outside the Bible. Okay? So that, that's kind of our foundation for even having this problem, is that God can speak outside of the Bible. But, but... That is not the main emphasis of what John is writing here. John isn't mostly concerned that we all be looking for God or listening for God to speak to us through, through people or, or signs or circumstances or angels. Like he, that, that's not the type of thing he commands in this passage. Because the more common problem is not that we're unwilling to listen to outside sources. It's that we're too willing to let everything in to let everything influence us and to take it at its word and do it. And so what we see here, number two, is, you know, God can still speak, but we must not accept everything. We must not expect, accept every message that, that comes our way, whether it be through a person or through ourselves. And we see this there, again, at the end of, of verse one, it says, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. In fact, I'll read all of verse 1. It just shows the full emphasis of what John's trying to get across here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, 
but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is the greater problem. Rather than us not listening to God, we are far too prone to listen to everything and everyone as though it were God speaking and lacking that discernment. So, okay, so we shouldn't listen to anything. No, we're not saying that. We're not there yet. We're saying we shouldn't listen to everything. We shouldn't accept everything. By the way, notice that word that I underlined in the verse up there. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is a, a real problem. I mean, that, that word is there in the Greek. <laughs> many false prophets. This is not something that might happen. This is not something that will occasionally happen. This is the idea that there will be many, many false prophets out in the world acting like spokesmen for God, but really not speaking erroneous messages. Jesus talked about this quite often. In fact, so many authors speak about this. Paul does, John, John or Peter does. Uh, but Jesus did a couple of times in, in Matthew. He says uh, in Matthew seven fifteen, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus is a master wordsmith putting this picture. You have this person that puts on the sheep's clothing. I, I, I'm a sheep of God. He's my shepherd, you know. Um, but really, it's a ravenous wolf just waiting to take off that, that sheep's garment and snatch us, devour us. Many. Uh, Matthew 24, 11, Jesus says, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. I mean, you see in this word, many Matthew 24, uh, 24, so just a few verses later, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So this is a huge problem. And, and, and if, I hope I didn't, you know, just impress number one on you that God can still speak. And so you're just, you know, okay, great. I can't wait to hear how God, you know, speaks to me today. Well, you need to know first that we must not accept everything, not every message, because there are many false prophets. Many pastors who, who have the name, the title pastor can be false prophets. And in fact, I could list them for you. I don't know if my conscience would allow me to list names for you right now, but I could, I could list those for you. I could list the names of the churches. I could list for you ones in town that I would say, do not go to. I believe it is false prophets, false spokesmen for God. So that's, again, the main emphasis, but I want to remind us of these side things that God can speak to us, um, even not through people. What about our conscience, right? Conscience matters. We looked at that last week. And so your conscience is a great gift from God to help you discern truth from error, wrong from right, to keep you from continually walking down the wrong path. The conscience is a wonderful gift, but your conscience can be wrong. Your conscience can absolutely be wrong. Again, I can give you examples of this. Uh, your conscience can be wrong. You can believe things are good and right to do in your conscience, but they really be wrong and sin against God. You can believe things are wrong, but they really be right that you should do. I, I'll just give you one example People say, oh, my, my conscience won't let me share the gospel with people because that's intrusive. 
the Bible doesn't call sharing the gospel intrusive. It calls it loving, right? And so your conscience can say, I shouldn't share the gospel. Like that, that'd be stepping on their toes. No, stepping on their toes is, is not offering them this eternal salvation uh, in Christ Jesus. That's just one example. Your conscience can be wrong. You cannot always trust your conscience. What about uh, impressions and circumstances, right? Impressions and circumstances. Um, I mean, I, I've heard it said, people, people say, what you believe is a message from God could really just be indigestion. <laughs> you have a feeling in, in your stomach, yeah, it could just be, you know, um, the indigestion happening. It may not be from God. It, uh, it could be, by the way, that this sign you believe is from God is actually a sign of what you most want to do, not a sign of what God wants you to do. That's, that, it could be that. I feel so strongly about it. Yeah, you may really want it. It may not actually be what God wants for you. In circumstances, um, we should not walk through every open door. And sometimes the closed doors is God saying, keep on pushing into that door. Keep leaning into it and lean into me. Trust me, be patient until I finally open that door for you. So every time your circumstances become difficult doesn't mean, well, God must be leading me to quit this now. Because things have become difficult. God's just shutting a, shutting a door. He, he may have shut it, but he may not want you to walk away from it. So it's, it's possible that God is speaking through your circumstances, but it's also possible he's not. In angels and visions, um, 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 14 and 15, it says there, Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So if you have an angelic vision, it could be an angel from God speaking to you. Unlikely, at least in our context. But just as easily as it could be an angel from God, it could be an angel of darkness. It could be Satan himself or one of his servants speaking to you. So that means even if an angel speaks to you, you don't just believe it wholesale. So at this point, we're not any better off, right? We're still at the struggle that, that John's people had and that we have of, okay, I've got these alternative messages that, that seem to be spokesmen from God, God communicating to me, but they could be right or they could be wrong. They could be from God or they could be from Satan. So what do I do? How am I to know what messages to follow? This is number three. We must test everything. Test everything. Again, it was right there in the first verse. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. We need to test the, the, the spokesmen that are speaking into our lives. And we need to even test the messages that are being spoken into our lives or even that our own minds are, are, are um, you know, contemplating. Is, is this what God's trying to lead me to do? We need to test them. And so I'll, I'll give you a, a few tests here that, that John prescribes uh, in this passage and also even throughout the rest of his um, short book, he, he prescribes these things. And I would say this is kind of a, a progressive or more narrowing gateways of, do I listen to them? Okay, if they don't pass this test, then I don't even need to bother listening to them. But if they pass that test, then we do the next test. That's kind of how this, this works. It's progressive. 
So the first one is this. Do they confess Christ? Does this spokesman confess Christ? Not just some vague God, not just some spiritual force. Do they confess the truth about Christ Jesus? And I would say that's more than just using his name. Just just saying, I trust Jesus. that's, That's not always the same thing. What do they mean by Jesus? We see this in verses uh, 2 and 3 of our passage there in 1 John 4. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world today. Or sorry, in the world already. So again, we we have this idea of like, well, there's this big spiritual guru and everyone's, you know, listening to him and and everyone's following him and, and he seems to be doing such remarkable things. And there's all these testimonies of how people's lives have gotten so much better by listening to this spiritual guru. Should, should I listen to him? Well, does he confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Another way of wording that is, is the historical Jesus of the Gospels, is the historical Jesus, was he really a full human and really fully God? Because there were these alternative views. I'm not going to go too deep into this. Some would say Jesus was just a human and then God the Spirit came upon him and empowered him to do special things, but he wasn't really God in and of himself. Others would say he was God and just looked like a human. He wasn't actually a human. He hadn't actually taken on human flesh. And there are other variations of that. But the true confession of Christ is that he was God eternal, history past. And that he is God in the flesh (laughs) there at Christmas, which we just celebrated. And that he remained God in the flesh throughout all his life. That he remained God in the flesh on the cross. God in the flesh in the grave, and God in the flesh risen. God in the flesh ascended. I mean, this is a a, a wondrous reality. And that means that that Jesus is the Savior, but Jesus is, is God. He is Lord. Do they confess Jesus Christ happily, readily, Jesus Christ as Lord? Do they claim to be what the Bible says is required to be a true Christian? That only by faith in his finished work, we can be a true Christian. If they f- are not confessing Christ, you don't have to listen to them, okay? Like, there, there's just no, no reason. I, I, by the way, I would say you can absolutely learn mathematics, science to some degree, um, you know, geography. You can learn uh, economics. You can learn all those things from non-Christians, but that is not what we're talking about today, Okay? We're talking about, are they, are they a true spokesman for God, that God is speaking through them to direct my life, to guide my morals, to guide my decisions, to guide what I use these, this short span of life to do. When it comes to guidance from God, the only people we need to listen to are those who confess Christ. 
This next test I have here is um, a little more practical, and, and I would draw you again even to other passages in John. But there, there in verse 4, well, I didn't give you the point yet. Does their life conform to Christ? That's the second thing we need to look at. So they might confess Christ. Yes, of course, I believe in Jesus. He's God and man and our Savior and Lord. But does their life conform to Christ? Does their life show that there is supernatural power, sin-freeing, righteousness-doing power in their life that has freed them from love of the world and uh, being a servant of Satan, basically. We see uh, there in 1 John 4, 4, I didn't put it up on the screen, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So every Christian has received the Holy Spirit. He who is in you, that says the Holy Spirit, has received the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, we receive, again, not natural, supernatural power to overcome sin in the schemes of Satan and love for the world. And so if someone who purports to teach us, who says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you these things, the ways of God, if they aren't living like Christ, there's no reason to think that they are a messenger of Christ. We see this, uh, by the way, in 1 John 3. So just a, a chapter back, verses 8 through 10. He says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the, of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. And so I would just say this. We, we kind of do this um, in, in, in real world, uh, you know, um, non-spiritual matters. I, I probably am not going to ask someone who's completely broke for financial advice. I'm just not. Like, what am I going to learn from them? Like, that's not, it's not what you, the way you're living is not what I'm shooting for. I'm probably not going to uh, ask a very scrawny person how to get built, you know, at the gym. I'm, I'm probably not going to ask a, a, a very, very overweight person to be my dietitian it, because it's like, well, if, if that's not my goal, then why, do, why would I want to have you speaking into my life? And so it is with, with teachers, with people speaking into our lives, whether it be pastors, authors, parents, friends, church members. Do they show, not perfection, by the way, if perfection is the, the mark, I got to get off this stage I got nothing to say to you if perfection is the mark. Um, absolutely a work in process, progress, hopefully. But do they show a strong de desire for, a commitment to, and some level of victory in obeying God? Because if there are those things, the desire, commitment, and victory over sin on a regular pattern, regular basis, they're growing in godliness, then you, you might look at them and say, okay, they're someone that I want speaking into my life. I want to be godly like them, so I want to hear from them. I believe God could speak through them well. By the way, we're, we're not just talking about, um, well, are they a hardcore drug user? Are they a thief? Are, are, are they, you know, a, a murderer? I mean, because it's unlikely, again, that those are the people that we would have speak into our lives. But we need to remember 
that, that, that we need to look at, at what the Bible tr- calls true conformity to Christ? Are they seeking purity rather than just pleasure? Are they seeking generosity rather than greed? Are they, are they focused on, on, on patience rather than bitterness, gentleness rather than rage, and humility rather than haughtiness, this pride, this arrogance? Because those are sins too. Those are things that are not like Christ too. And I'm not saying every person who, who, who struggles with, with anger or, or, or pride is no longer a Christian. I'm just saying like it, it makes you, you think twice about the message they're giving because it's like, well, if that's how I get that result, I'm not sure that I want it. And I praise God for his grace. <laughs> I really do. That, it, that we are, we are um, jars of clay, imperfect vessels that carry God's message. But we should still have discretion in the people we let speak into our lives. Does their life conform to Christ? And finally here, third, does the message coincide with Scripture? So, you, they, they, they confess Christ, their life is in conformity with Christ, so I should just accept everything they say? No. You still need to check the message. See if their, uh, their message coincides, conforms to Scripture. Does it line up with what God has specifically, explicitly revealed in His Word, or is it some deviation from that? Uh, In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, God is not a God of confusion. So if God has spoken to us definitively, decisively in his word, then God is not going to have some outside the Bible, you know, message that says something different than his word. This is what we see. Again, verses uh, 5 and 6. So 1 John 4, 5 and 6. They, the false teachers, are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. I, I believe the we there, by the way, is, is speaking of the apostles, himself and the other apostles that had been sent out by Christ to speak and even to write. So we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John is making um, (laughs) quite a claim here, but it's a claim he has every right and authority to make because he is one of the apostles, one of the sent out ones from Jesus. That that, that he was promised, uh, I can't remember where it is in John, John, either John 14, 15, or 16, one of those chapters, that the spirit of truth that we've already talked about uh, there or that, that's there in verse 6, the spirit of truth would guide them into all the truth. He has that promise fully resting on him. The spirit of truth will guide you into all the truth. He has been sent out, commissioned by Christ Jesus to share the word and even to write God's word. Peter says this in, in 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, or sorry, 2 Peter, my mistake. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 and following. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his mystery. 
For when, we received, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice, the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am now ple- who am well pleased. That's talking about the transfiguration on the Mount of Transfiguration. We ourselves heard his very voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure I love that. Even more sure than Peter's experience of Jesus being transfigured in glory and God the Father speaking down, even more sure, he says, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, don't think future prophecy. Prophecy is is a spokesman for God. Sometimes it has future orientations. This will happen, says the Lord, but oftentimes it's just God speaking. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this is what, what John is claiming, okay? We are telling the truth. We are carried along by the Holy Spirit. We are speaking from God. And if, if someone a- agrees with us, then, then that's good. But if they are speaking from themselves, from the world, then we don't listen to them. The world listens to them because they're from the world. I think that that's a big point, by the way. Just because their book is on the best-selling list does not mean it's true. Because the world will listen to worldly things. The world will listen to, to all sorts of, of things that are not true. Um, and and uh, to, to, to Timothy, Paul, Paul writes that, that people will have itching ears and will, will acquire for themselves uh, teachers to suit their desires. Just because someone is famous, just because someone has a lot of followers, just because they have a mega church in Dallas, doesn't mean that they are speaking truth. The world listens to them, sure. But we are not from the world. We are from God, he's saying. And whoever is from God listens to us. And by this you can know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Again, the, the, the big point here is every messenger and every message must be put alongside God's word to see if it lines up. Because yes, God can still speak to you. God can still speak to you, to you through people, impressions, conscience, maybe even an angel. I don't know. But whatever comes in, if it's not the Bible, it can have error. It can be wrong. This does not. God's word doesn't have error. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing too. Um, I, I recently had a great conversation with a friend that was struggling with the fact that you have these um, outside organizations, um, such as, I mean, I, I, I don't know, uh, you have Black Lives Matter, okay? They, they, they are, are um, anti, well, they're not anti-racism. Um, anyway, they're for uh, black people getting um, a lot of things, you know, given to them and, and taken from uh, white people, basically. And, and he was saying, well, well, there's something there, though, because Christians are supposed to be for social justice. 
right? Christians are supposed to be for social justice. So should we, you know, unite with and adhere to the things of Black Lives Matter? Because, uh, you know, some of what they say that we should do lines up with Scripture. You know, should, so should I listen to them? And what about, you know, a liberal theology? Like they're, they're saying all these other things, and, but some of what they say is good because uh, you have the, the fundamentalist, um, you know, you could just use homosexuality. There, so many fundamentalists can be mean and downright rude to homosexuals, whereas the, the liberal so-called church, um, you know, is so kind and loving to them, and, and we're supposed to be kind and loving to everyone, so should we be listening to the liberal church? And it, it was just such a great question um, because I was already preparing for this sermon, and, and so I was able to work through that. Okay, do I need to listen uh, to, to Black Lives Matter, just, just uh, for instance? Yes, that, like, they're, they're, we should be after social justice, so, so should I listen to them? Well, let's do the tests, okay? This is all we need to do. Let's do the tests. Do they confess Christ? Absolutely not. They, they absolutely do not confess Christ. In fact, they have another gospel Paul talks about another gospel, not that there really is another gospel in Galatians. They have another gospel where the problem is uh, white people and the, the solution, the savior, if you will, is, is um, equity for black people. Okay, so that's, that's, that's not confessing Christ. That's putting the wrong problem and the wrong solution there. And so they've already failed the first test, and they have many uh, foundational problems, uh, both with creation and, and everything else, uh, but specifically with Christ. They absolutely do not confess Christ. Does their life conform to Christ? No. They, they've been using hate speech, violent protests, fear-mongering to further their cause. Guilt-inducing, uh, uh, where guilt is not necessary. That is not the way Christ commands us to live. It's certainly not the way Christ lived. And so, no, their lives are not conforming to Christ. It's a very fleshly display rather than a Holy Spirit-empowered display. So they failed John's first and second test. But let's just, you're, really, you should stop at this point. But we're just going to keep going to show these tests. Let's go ahead and do the final test. Does the message coincide with scripture? Answer, there's a little bit of truth here and there, and a little bit of uh, right application, but I would say it is so much error uh, that it makes it untenable. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say that, that all white people should feel guilty for racism, whether or not they've acted in racism. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that white people should simply hand over the power and become subservient to black people. But here's what the Bible does say. The Bible says, and this is what I want to show you, that scripture is sufficient to get us to the same good things. There's that little bit of good in Black Lives Matter that makes us say, maybe I should follow them. I want to show you that scripture is what you need to actually do those right things. The Bible does say that all people are made in the image of God. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, all made in the image of God, carrying the honor and dignity of our eternal creator. 
That's what the Bible tells us, okay? Not, not Black Lives Matter. The Bible tells us that, that all people are worthy of respect and honor and dignity. The Bible says that all nations, tribes, and tongues, and I would add colors, will be in heaven worshiping the exact same Savior. The same Savior that died for, for my white skin died for all of their skin. Jesus, by the way, wasn't what we would consider a white guy anyways, he died for all colors, races, creeds, cultures, every single one of them. And every single one of them will be there before the throne, bowing and praising him in worship. So if you, we can't get along with them now, we, we, better, we better make some changes because we got eternity that we're going to be spending with them. And I am so excited to see other cultures, colors, creeds worship my Savior. The Bible shows us that, not Black Lives Matter. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. The way you would want to be treated and loved, show that same love and care for others. Don't be concerned only with your own interests, but also with the interests of others. That's what the Bible tells us, not black lives matter. Therefore, from the Bible, what we get is, that we should always treat every person of every race with respect and honor. We should desire their salvation so they can worship with us before the throne. And we should love them as we love ourselves. That is so much more powerful than Black Lives Matter and conforming our lives in a way that glorifies God and shows love to everyone, that removes the bigotry and, or, or any superiority we might have. The Bible does that. The Bible is the only sufficient means to be conformed to the image of Christ. First uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17. These are, you know, the, the famous verses, but we need to see it. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Listen to this, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You do not need outside worldly organizations telling you how to live your life. Are there shreds of truth and, and, and good um, in them? Yeah, I would say there, there are to some degree. I, I am all for racial justice, social justice, but I, I don't need outside world organization, worldly organizations telling me how to do it. I need the Bible because it and only it is profitable for teaching me reproving me, correcting me, training me, that I may be complete and equipped for every good work. That's what I need. I need God's word. I need people speaking God's truth into my life who, who confess Christ, who have conformed to Christ, and who their message lines up with Scripture. Insofar as, as a, a preacher's message, teachers, family member, friend, church member, as so, and so far as their message lines up with scripture, then yes, we should accept it. Yes, we should take it as God speaking into our lives, using it to keep us, to grow us, to encourage us, but we must not expect, uh, accept everything. By the way, th this is just such a beautiful reality, once again, that God continually leads us and guides us, even when our face isn't in the Bible, but I would say, more than that, this is uh, an encouragement to get in your Bible. <laughs> because only by knowing the truth can you know error. Only by knowing the truth well 
specifically. Every little thing will, will your little falsehood detector be going off when someone's preaching or when a family member is saying, no, you should do this, or a friend saying, hey, try this, you know, whatever. We need God's word. It has been given to us as a gift to equip us, not only for good works, but even to discern the messages that are coming our way. Because God does want to speak to you. God does want to use you in powerful ways. We must be discerning. For every decision we make in life, the moment we begin to rely on our own broken, flawed, fallible understanding, that is the moment we begin to walk off God's straight and glorious path. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if you're wondering. Chapter 3, 5, and 6. Let's pray. Father God, I, I do thank you so much um, again for salvation that brings us from darkness into light, the darkness of rebellion and the darkness of ignorance into light. And I thank you that you continually shine the light of truth in our lives each time we, we study your word, each time we, we open our Bibles, whether that be at church or at our bedside or at our desk, on our couch, God, that you speak to us, that God of the universe speaks to us. And so, God, let us be people of your word. And, God, I pray that you would make us a discerning people, that we would be humble and teachable, yes, but not gullible that we would only accept truth. And God, I do pray that, that as this, this church goes forward, that we would be bastions of that same truth. That as we learn to discern truth and we feed on your truth in, in your word, God, that we can spread it to those who so desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus and the realities of that you've revealed in your word. God, help us to do these things in your son's name. Amen. I invite you to stand and use our closing song as a prayer for your own heart. Mm-hmm.